Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for January 6, 2019. During the season of Epiphany, co-pastors Russ and Amy Jackstein will divide the sermon time each week. Russ will share a personal epiphany, a synopsis of each of the nine chapters of his forthcoming book, Finding My Way Back Home, and Amy will share a homily based on the text for the day. For my Lord, who be a witness for my Lord? Who be a witness for my Lord? Chapter 1 of Finding a New Way Home is entitled, A New Crisis. Once you get educated, nothing is ever easy again. But the introduction of my book begins in my childhood home. I wouldn't give anything for the childhood that I had. I had two wonderful parents, an older sister, a younger brother. It was a beautiful, wonderful, warm home. Uh, I had good experiences. And for all of us, the church and all that the church stood for was right at the center. I am grateful for the way that I was raised. But there was a fearful, parochial sense about God and the world in my early faith. Faith was not supposed to open us up to the ever more difficult questions of life, the very real challenges of adulthood. Faith, if understood simply and lived blindly, would protect us from these questions. Faith should shield us from these challenges. In fact, just knowing those kinds of questions existed, the questions that invariably challenge faith, just knowing that was a kind of proof that one did not have enough faith. I learned this proof all too well my freshman year at Furman University. Introduction to philosophy was a cruel teacher. I entered Furman University in the fall of 1982, which sounds like a long time ago, but doesn't seem like a long time ago. When Joey said he was in the seventh grade on 9-11, I thought, oh my gosh, I must be like 55. Tom and Don Pulaski and I entered Furman University together and we were excited about our Furman education. I had declared in the first grade that I was going to be a preacher like my daddy. And I saw the next step in that process as an education from Furman. I was thrilled. But it was a conservative time for me and for most of the student body at Furman University. We were mostly conservative Baptists. And my friends had warned me about the liberal religion faculty at Furman University. And whatever you do, they said, do not take a philosophy course. (laughs) Those guys are atheists and they will take away your faith. Toward the end of that semester, however, you can cue the ominous music here. My friend Kyle Matthews, who would become a roommate and a lifelong friend, said that he was signing up for Intro to Philosophy. Take it with me, he urged casually, as the best tempters usually do. I reminded him of the caution I had received from my other Christian friends. Kyle shared none of their fear. He said something about challenge being a good thing for faith, Something about a new view helping us see with new eyes. 
He reeled me in ever so smoothly, ever so slowly, like sheep to the slaughter, I signed up. Three months later, I was living to regret my apostasy. Dr. Douglas McDonald walked with a cane, and he would hobble into class every day, and he would perch himself on the front of his desk like this. He would sit on the desk, and he could wrap one leg all the way around the other, and he would bend over like this, and he would say, truth. What is truth? How do you know what truth is? How do they know what truth is? Who told you what truth is? He would say, the Bible. The Bible is true because the Bible says it's true. Well, isn't that circular logic? The onslaught lasted an entire withering, wearying semester. At some point that semester, I awoke with the starting realization that I was no longer certain what I believed. Oh, my God. God? I may have even said it out loud, this feeling that was burning me up inside. Why did I go and screw up such a good thing? I remember that feeling, y'all. I remember it in the pit of my stomach. I used to have the answers. I should never have taken this class, asked these questions, and I knew that I could not go back. I had let the cat out of the bag, opened a can of worms, pried the lid off of Pandora's box. It was the end of my innocence, and looking back on it, it feels so textbook as to be worthy of more hackneyed cliches than you can shake a stick at. <laughs> Deep into that, some of you got that, thank you. <laughs> Deep into that spring semester, I walked into McAllister Auditorium for a convocation. And that day, in a mostly empty auditorium, the Tennessee farmer and activist named Will Campbell was speaking to me, preaching to Russ Dean. McAllister might as well have, been ho have hosted an audience of one that morning because Campbell was on Furman's campus that day for no other reason. He had come that day to say to me, once you get educated, nothing is ever easy again. He said it, and like a load of bricks it hit me, once you get educated, nothing is ever easy again. The fiery, country-voiced prophet had just spoken to the, to the emotion that was tearing me apart. It wasn't just sadness or fear or regret or confusion. I had all of those emotions, but when Will Campbell made that simple declaration, I realized that I was mostly just angry. I was angry at Kyle for enticing me. I was angry at Dr. McDonald for so rudely awakening me. I was angry at Furman University for, for promoting a secular education that enlightens. I was angry at God. Though at that point I could not have admitted that, Dr. McDonald had breached the wall of comfortable religion, but he had not taken away my fear of God. Mostly though, I was angry at myself. I should have been smarter than this. I should have been more resolved. I should have been more faithful than to take this class. I do not use the word crisis lightly, 
There has been no other time in my life that I have felt my faith more shaken. It wasn't that I was afraid I would give up my faith, but I could not see any way that the faith that had been so certain and comfortable that had provided the answers and assurance, I could not see any way that it could ever be revived. What I learned, and this is what a good crisis will do for you, is that that faith never would be revived, very much as it should be. Fast forward 36 years to today, I have not regained what I lost in intro to philosophy. The faith that was comfortable and easy has never returned to me. The faith that was defined by certainty has been replaced with a confident realism. The faith which was concerned with answers and proof has given way to a freedom to pursue the questions of a never-ending quest of spiritual exploration. The faith that was bequeathed to me by parents and church became uniquely my own faith. Once you get educated, nothing is ever easy again. It has not been. I am so grateful. Can I get a witness? Who'll be a witness for my Lord? 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 And so what was a crisis of faith for Russ became a crisis of relationship for me. He was so excited about all that he was learning in philosophy. The questions he was asking were not the questions that I was asking. I vividly remember the thought I don't think he's a Christian anymore, and that ain't going to do. <laughs> I was still in high school because I'm so much younger than he is now that <laughs> he has revealed his age as of today. I was still in high school and still in our small town, South Carolina, and still living in the safe confines of blind belief and acceptance. But my time would come. In my New Testament class, my sophomore year at Presbyterian College, Dr. Stallworth introduced me to the New Testament as if for the first time. And all of a sudden, I had all of the questions. Did the pastors and preachers that I had from my whole raising never take these classes? Or were they too afraid to tell us what they discovered? I've spent the rest of my life trying to be comfortable with these questions and trying to live into the hope from the writer of Hebrews that faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the certainty of what we cannot see. It has been interesting for me, though, to raise two sons and in an environment and a household and a church full of questions and send them off to college where they are surrounded by conservative Christians that do not like questions. It's been an interesting turn to watch the opposite happen. That makes us ask the question, 
about the questions. Would it be too much of a stretch then to think that these magi from the text today allowed their inquisitive nature to follow a star to discover for themselves what all the fuss was about? The story opens with two crucial questions. It's really the same question from two different people. First from the Magi. They ask, where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? And then King Herod inquired, where is this Messiah to be born? And then the journey begins with questions. Where is he is the only question recorded, but the underlying questions emerge if you let your imagination take hold. Who, what, where, when, how? I like to imagine these wise ones, or were they something more akin to sorcerers or astrologers? It doesn't matter their profession, but I like to imagine their conversation on their journey to Jesus. I guess they, would ha they could have been analyzing the upcoming college football playoff game. The Tigers are going to win. <laughs> or maybe they were discussing politics because guess what? We're not living in the only time of division politically. See King Herod. Or maybe they were commiserating about how difficult it is to parent these days. Or maybe they spent their long journey asking the big and difficult questions about God and a coming Messiah and how that might change the world and how it might change them. We do not know their conversation, but we know that they saw a light, they asked their questions, and they followed the light. Because that's what we do. We follow the light. Some folks arrive at a place where the light stops, and they stay there and they never leave. They get real comfortable with all the questions answered. They feel right at home with mystery solved and they never want to move again. They are settled in their faith and no further exploration is needed. They simply plop down their gifts and worship the Christ child with all their being. Many, many Christians choose this path, while others, like those magi, are more willing to take a detour to get back home. Their journey is not settled with easy answers. They are not satisfied with staying put. They know that a little bit of light leads to the need for more light, and that an answer to one question, where is he? only leads to more questions. What will this mean for me? What am I supposed to do with this one named Jesus? How will he cause me to change? What are my responsibilities now that I have found him? They know that once discovering the Christ child, they are called to more than a realization of where he is and who he is. They are then called to keep moving, to keep looking for more light, and to heed the warning that this one that they have found can lead to dangerous questions and risky living. And like those magi, they may have to go home by the detour of another road. If 
epiphanies are revealings. The Magi followed a star that revealed to them Jesus. Furman University and Will Campbell and Presbyterian College and Tom Stallworth revealed to us Jesus. Oh, yes, we knew him so well. But we met him anew with questions that we had never dared to ask before. We had never been taught to ask before. Why not? The Magi started with questions. And like those Magi, we took a detour that we never had expected, though we had been fully warned. I can vividly remember a member of my family saying to me, now when you take religion classes or Bible classes at PC, just learn it, spit it back on the test, and forget it. They took a different road home because that's the way it works. God is constantly being revealed to us if we are looking. So what are your epiphanies? Where are you finding God? Have you seen any light? What are your conversations as you're following that star? What has already been revealed to you and what is yet to be revealed to you? I think it's pretty safe to say that our preference is not to stay safely with all the questions answered, to arrive at the house and stay put. That's not our preference because it's the journey with all the detours that make faith full and rich and abundant. Who'll be a witness for my Lord? Who'll be a witness for my Lord? Who'll be a witness for my Lord? Who will be a witness for my Lord? Could it be you? May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.